Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. Hello, this is Pamela Shea, Assistant Editor at the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. I'm speaking with two authors of a paper entitled Enhancing Diabetes Care by Adding a Pharmacist to the Primary Care Team. With me is Dr. Eric Ip, Associate Professor, Department of Pharmacy Practice, College of Pharmacy, Toro University, California. He's also a diabetes specialist and clinical pharmacist, Department of Internal Medicine, Kaiser Permanente Mountain View Medical Offices. Also with me is Dr. Junhua Yu, a assistant professor at the Department of Social, Behavioral, and Administrative Sciences at the College of Pharmacy, Toro University, California. The purpose of this paper was to describe the impact of pharmacist interventions on short-term clinical markers and long-term cardiovascular risk in patients with type 2 diabetes when compared to a matched sample of patients treated by a primary care physician only. So, Dr. Ip, can you describe your role as a pharmacist at Kaiser Permanente Mountain View Clinic? Sure. Our internal medicine department includes a team of 16 primary care physicians and two clinical pharmacists. In 2007, I was hired to start up and head the diabetes management program. In my clinic, as well as in the study, patients with poorly controlled diabetes, so patients with A1Cs greater than 7 to 9%, were referred to the clinical pharmacist, who was myself, for more frequent and specialized care. Via collaborative practice agreement, I'm able to prescribe and adjust diabetes and cardiovascular medications with full autonomy, order laboratory work, order and administer immunizations, perform physical assessments and foot exams, provide dietary and physical activity recommendations, and provide diabetes self-care education for the patient. I also provide specialist referrals, for example, podiatry and ophthalmology, and set up preventative health screenings such as mammograms, as well as cervical and colon cancer screenings. Initial visits are usually face-to-face encounters with patients in an examination room, usually lasting about 45 to 60 minutes. Follow-up visits with patients are mostly through telephone encounters, lasting about 5 to 10 minutes, although some patients prefer follow-up in person. How do you think the study that you conducted has affected other pharmacist diabetes outcome studies? Well, Drs. Wubin and Vivian authored a very comprehensive review article published in the journal Pharmacotherapy in 2008. They analyzed 21 studies involving pharmacists with expanded care ranging from drug therapy evaluation and patient education to case management with prescriptive authority. A majority of the studies demonstrated that pharmacist care in the outpatient setting is effective in improving A1C levels in diabetes patients. So our team took a look at these studies and wanted to address certain limitations that were brought up. For example, having unmatched control groups, sample sizes uh, that were too small, such as usually under 100 patients per cohort, having a short study duration, often less than 12 months, a single site design, and lack of extensive data on long-term coronary heart disease and stroke risk. To address the prior limitations, our research team in the current study first matched baseline characteristics between the two cohorts by age, gender, A1C level, and Charleston comorbidity score. The Charleston comorbidity index is a tool used to predict mortality for patients who have comorbid conditions such as heart disease, AIDS, cancer. 
Second, our study had a relatively larger sample size consisting of 147 patients in each cohort, which allowed for us to be able to determine differences in both glycemic and cardiovascular markers, such as A1C, LDL cholesterol, and blood pressure. Third, our study duration was relatively longer and extended out to 12 months. Fourth, we also utilized a two-site design to prevent bias via potential learning effects of the physician group, whereby physicians learn from pharmacists' recommendations. Next, we utilized the UK PDS risk engine to calculate 10-year risk of CHD and stroke in type 2 diabetes patients. This risk engine is similar to that of the Framingham risk calculator. And lastly, our study added an extensive economic analysis and modeling component to determine the cost-effectiveness of adding a pharmacist to the primary care team. So you just mentioned that you used the UK PDS risk engine. Why was this chosen over the Framingham risk calculator? Well, the reliability of using the Framingham risk equation for calculating estimated CHD and stroke risk has been called into question as the Framingham study included only a small proportion of diabetes patients. The UK PDS risk engine, which was based on over 53,000 type 2 diabetes patients' years of data, is considered a more reliable method of measuring cardiovascular disease risk in type 2 diabetes patients. I see. So in the findings of your study, you found favorable results in the pharmacist care group. Why do you think this was so when compared to the control group, which saw physicians only? Well, this was likely due to increased frequency of encounters, which allows for quicker medication, insulin titration adjustments on the patient's home blood sugar readings, as well as continuous follow-up on diet and exercise. For example, the enhanced care group had 10.7 diabetes-related encounters per year, compared to just 2.5 in the control group. Second, it has been mentioned that when pharmacists have prescriptive authority, larger improvements in clinical markers are often seen. From a practical standpoint, if a patient provides me a set of blood glucose readings that are elevated, I can provide the patient immediate recommendations, whether through lifestyle or medication adjustments, rather than giving my recommendations to the PCP, which may subsequently delay the action of changes by days to weeks. Furthermore, PCPs who don't have resources of a diabetes specialist at their facility, no matter how well-intentioned they may be, the reality of it is that there is often a delay in responding to or adjusting medications. Lastly, I'm able to provide more time providing diabetes self-management education, something a physician wouldn't have time to do in a 15-minute office visit. However, further analysis is necessary to determine which aspects of pharmacist care play the most prominent role in improving patient outcomes. Have there been other findings since the study was finished? Yeah, we have uh, just uh, performed an economic modeling study to look at whether it's cost-effective from the third-party payers' perspective to add the pharmacist to the primary care team. So it's more like an economic question. This study uh, heavily borrows from the clinical evidence um, in a paper published in AJHP. This uh, paper was recently accepted in the March edition of Journal of Magic Care Pharmacy. Uh, I would yeah, likely briefly introduce the major finding is that uh, in most cases, adding a pharmacist to the primary care team can be considered a dominant strategy versus using primary care physicians only. Uh, it means that um, this strategy is less costly and more effective in terms of the long-term health outcomes we looked at. Mm, 
maybe I can add one more thing about the major, the primary take-home message we want to convey to payers is that in order to fully realize the potential of this uh, pharmacist-led uh, diabetes management program, payers have to ensure the intervention can last at least for four to five years. So basically it says the length of intervention really matters. So maybe you might be wondering why do you think uh, above, uh, above all factors Eric has mentioned, why the length of intervention can play such an important role in determining the cost effectiveness of our intervention. I think this is uh, driven by two factors. The first is that payer has to make sure the pharmacist's intervention is available for that long period of time. Second, this outcome can also be dictated by the problem we have noticed about the enrollment period of most uh, health insurance plan companies. So we noticed that if insurance company can keep their plan members enrolled in that same plan long enough, then they have this incentive to make sure the prevention strategy available for that long period of time. Yeah, that's basically the major findings and the message from that article. I see. So even though this study was finished, a lot of the enhanced effects for patients depends on sustaining this type of care. Yeah, exactly. You have to make sure the payers have the incentive, financial incentive, to adopt this strategy. Right. Coming back to this study, obviously this was a team effort in these clinics. Your research team had many individuals with different backgrounds. How did this help overall? Well, our team consisted of six members, all who played important and unique roles. Dr. Zhenhua Yu from Torah University is an expert in healthcare economics, modeling, and statistical analysis. Dr. Bijal Shah, co-PI from Torah University College of Pharmacy, specializes in health outcomes research. Dr. James Chan from Northern California Kaiser's Pharmacy Outcomes Research Group brings in his expertise as a pharmacist and has an extensive career in pharmacy outcomes research with Kaiser. Uh, former Toro University students Dr. Dimpol Bhatt and Linda Nguyen spent countless hours with data collection and also assisted in literature search. And lastly, myself, as the practicing clinical pharmacist and co-PI of the study. We were able to combine our specialties to produce a study with a strong design and unique analysis. So what do you hope comes out of this study? Well, I hope that our study demonstrates the positive clinical and economic impact a pharmacist can have on improving short-term clinical markers, such as A1C, LDL cholesterol, blood pressure, increasing attainment of clinical goals, and decreasing long-term cardiovascular risk in diabetes patients. I also hope this study allows the pharmacy profession to further grow and progress by incorporating more collaborative practice agreements, which allow clinical pharmacists to have expanded roles on the healthcare team, such as prescribing and adjusting medications, and ultimately pushing the envelope forward for trained pharmacists to obtain the elusive provider status, which our profession is striving for in 2013. Well, I hope you have success with your continued goals. I wanted to thank you both for joining me today. Again, this has been Pamela Shea with the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. I've been talking to Dr. Ip and Dr. Yu about their paper, Enhancing Diabetes Care by Adding a Pharmacist to the Primary Care Team, which will be appearing in the May 15th issue of AJHP. That concludes this podcast. 
For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.